You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm wearing sandals this morning. My family and I, we got back from Florida yesterday morning, and I said, I am not putting shoes on again. <laughs> and, uh, and just so happens this morning, it was pretty chilly, and I was uh, walking into the church. I'm like, what have I done? But I didn't care. It's, uh, I had sun on my face this last week. It was fantastic. And uh, I just want you to know, you are looking at a blessed man. Uh, I am blessed in so many ways, and I wanted to start this morning's message with that idea that I am blessed. My family this past week has blessed me. My son in particular, I'm just going to pick on you, Logan, you didn't know I was going to do this, but this week we're in Florida, and we're with our cousins and and, uh, my sisters and his cousins, I guess I should say, and he blessed me. Uh, He came up to me and said, hey, Dad, I've got this Karurin, which I know most of you don't know what that is. Uh, It's a little wooden toy that sometimes you see Logan playing with. He says, Dad, do you think it's okay if I give this to Sammy, one of his cousins? I said, absolutely. And how many know when you give... Uh, God blesses you, and God's going to bless my son for that, and he gave that to his little cousin, and it was just a small little thing, but what's neat is from a father's perspective, to watch your son understand giving in a small way, and the blessing that was, Logan, you blessed me this week, (laughs) and he just goes... (laughs) like that. (laughs) And I just embarrassed you. I'll make it up to you somehow. I love you, buddy. (laughs) I was thinking as well, the board here at the Gateway Church has also blessed me recently in this season. In fact, I'm going to ask the board members that are here this service to stand. We got Jim, the newest on the board, uh, looking good this morning in short sleeves. I like it. Uh, We got Bob Boss in the back there, and then Larry's working our sound this morning. Uh, Go ahead and stand up, Larry, so everyone can see you. These board members and a couple others have blessed me. At our last board meeting, we walked away with uh, arms around each other's neck, praying, and we committed to each other. You guys can be seated. (laughs) Uh, to pray, to fast, and to give in this season like we've never have before in in regards to that. And I'm telling you, as your pastor, the board being behind what's happening here at the Gateway Church, it blessed me. And when I'm saying this, when when I say it blessed me, I'm saying three things. It moved my heart to see these guys surrounding me. It raised my spirits And it stirred my affections. That's what I mean. The board, they have blessed me. And then my staff, my goodness. Last week, if you were here, I know you had a great time, even though we were in Florida and we skipped church. um, I'm not sure if we're supposed to say that, but uh, we didn't go to church, but I was praying for you on Sunday morning, shot off a text to you guys. And, uh, And the staff here at the Gateway Church is strong and has done a great job. And what an exciting time. And, uh, um, I heard reports from last week, uh, te- from text messages to Jessica hearing on Facebook, and even this morning just rallying together, saying, "Hey, how'd things go?" That God met you guys last week. And Pastor Pete, thanks for bringing the word. And Pastor Bobby, thanks for bringing a consistent, powerful worship experience uh, week in and week out. And uh, God, you guys have blessed me and Rachel and Bonnie and. 
uh, Mary, and where's Cindy? Cindy, what, what a team that we have here at the Gateway Church. You guys have blessed me. You say, why are you belaboring this? Well, I want you to know that just like I have been blessed, each of us can bless the Lord in a similar way. You can move His Spirit. You can touch His heart. You can stir the affection of our Heavenly Father in heaven. Did you know that? There's some verses in Scripture that I'd like to just quickly go through. The first is in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. After King David leads the way giving and uh, does an incredible job, then his leaders give. This is towards the building of the temple. Uh, then the people give and the Lord provided for the temple to be built. In verse 20 of 1 Chronicles 29, it says, Then David said to the whole assembly, he said, Praise the Lord your God. And that word in some of your translations will say, Bless the Lord your God. So they all blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and their king. The people, they blessed the Lord. If you fast forward just a couple verses or a couple uh, books in the Bible to Nehemiah, a similar thing happened. They were building, rebuilding the temple walls, or not the temple, but the city walls. And there was something that happened in, before they completed the wall. They stopped and they, they confessed their sins. They were fasting. They were wearing sackcloth. Uh, they stood in their place. They confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. It says that they stood and they read from the book of the law, so they were reading scripture says then they worshiped the lord and they cried out with loud voices to the lord their god and it says in the levites they said they said stand up and bless the lord your god who is from everlasting to everlasting look what it says blessed be your glorious name and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise they blessed the lord at that moment in Psalm chapter 16, verse 7, it says, I will praise the Lord. Some of your version says, I will bless the Lord who, cons who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs, instructs me, right? I, I read that too. Yeah, instructs me. <laughs> In Psalm 27 or 26, verse 12, it says, my feet stand on level ground. In the great congregation, I will praise or I will bless the Lord. If you move on to Psalm 103, a great culmination of blessing the Lord. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, all of my innermost being. Bless His holy name, or praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits. Why? He who forgives all your sins and heals all your disease, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. They blessed the Lord. A couple more, or one more. Psalm 115. It says, It is we who bless or extol the Lord both now and forevermore. Bless the Lord. And I read these because I want to encourage you and encourage myself that each of us 
we can bless the Lord. Our mission is to bring glory to His name. And today on Palm Sunday, we want to do that in a powerful way. We already experienced a little bit of worship, but I want you to know we are making room in the service, especially at the end, for us to bless the Lord. And I want to just prepare your hearts now for what God wants to do in and through you. We're going to study a story in John, in John chapter 12 this morning, and we're going to be, uh, that this story brings glory to God. It's about blessing Jesus, and it's about extravagant worship. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, it's extravagant worship. Absolutely. Good. That was pretty bad, but uh, <laughs> uh, we're just going to move on. We've been studying the, the Gospel of John, John's uh, account of Jesus' life, and we've been studying a chapter at a time, and I just want to remind you the purpose of John writing this gospel in John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, but these things were written so that you may believe, and it's interesting that word is also that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The reason we're going through the book of John as a congregation is so that you and your guests will believe in Jesus. Believe who he is. And not only believe, but accept him as their personal savior. And so far through the first 11 chapters, we've seen a lot of signs. We've seen a lot of miracles. We've seen a lot of Jesus' works. We've seen who Jesus is. Last week, the story of Lazarus. What a powerful story. Pastor Pete, you did a great job, I heard. I'll be listening this week, but uh, I'm excited to hear. But we found out that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, right? The resurrection of Lazarus was never denied. It could not be denied because it was a fact. After several days in the grave, he rose from the grave when Jesus called him out. In fact, it was so much so that in chapter 12, we're not going to read it this morning, they were doing damage control. The church was, the Pharisees, the, 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 Levi, or the, uh, the Sadducees, they were in verses 10 and 11 of chapter 12, they were trying to figure out a way to get rid of Lazarus. So the first 11 chapters, uh, we, we understand and we've kind of made our way through those. That 11 chapters represents three years in the life of Jesus. It's important for you to understand this kind of as some background, as uh, some context here. Now we move into chapter 12, and from chapter 12 to the end of the Gospel of John, it's one week in the life of Jesus, and it gets very intense in chapter 12, it starts with Jesus, with his friends, in a town called Bethany. We see a tender moment, six days before Jesus has thorns in his brow, nails in his hands, a spear in his side, before all the hatred, before the loneliness when God himself forsakes his own son and turns his head away from Jesus we see this story in John chapter 12. And I want to read it to you this morning to kind of set our hearts before the Lord. John chapter 12, starting verse 1, says this. It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. That just blows my mind still. If that doesn't blow your mind, you're not breathing, right? Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. 
Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And I was reading that. And let me just pause. I'm not, I don't normally do this, but, uh, you know, if Lazarus started reclining at all, I'm saying, wake up, Lazarus. Don't, don't fall asleep again on us. But anyway, that's my, that's way I'm, I'm thinking. But anyway, it says, then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who would later betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and this money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wage. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what used to be put into it. And Jesus answered, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking that this story would just revolutionize our worship. God, that as we move through these verses in the next few moments, God, that you would be glorified in this place, that you would use my words, that they would become your words. It would be more of you, less of me. And God, that it would pierce every single person's heart that's here in the room today and who may be listening online later. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to give you a little background here. This story is actually recorded in Matthew chapter 26. You may want to turn there and uh, mark and kind of keep your finger there. And then also in Mark chapter 14, and we're going to be looking at all three of these accounts uh, over the next few moments. Um, some, may, if you've been studying ahead and maybe looking, you may say, is this the same story that was in Luke chapter 7? It was a very similar story where a woman actually uh, that was a prostitute came in and did a similar thing, anointed Jesus. It's not the same story, but this story is in John chapter 12. Also, it is the same story in Matthew 26 and in, Ma in Mark 14. And it says at the very beginning of this that it was six days before the Passover. And we're not going to take the time to study the Passover this morning, but I just want to remind us, if you don't know, that the Passover was the most important festival in the Jewish calendar. It happened once a year, and they were celebrating, remembering the freedom that they had from uh, from Egypt and from slavery. And remember the Passover lamb came over, the, or the death angel kind of came over the whole uh, Egyptian uh, colony and killed the firstborn of every single living thing. And for those that put the blood of the lamb uh, over their doorpost, they were spared. The, they, the angel passed over and they received or they continued to have life for their firstborn. And it was quite a moment. And then the, the freedom of the Israelites and all those things. The other thing I want to say is that this, when we look at Matthew 26 and Mark 14, this was at, in Bethany at Simon the leper's house. And it wasn't at Lazarus' house or Mary and Martha's house. It was at, at the leper's house where 
this person had leprosy and now was healed because of Jesus. And it was at his house that this dinner party was being thrown. Of course, Lazarus was there. He had been raised from the dead. And this dinner party is not a dinner party that you may uh, think where you go for an hour or two. This was a half a day's event four to six hours of just chilling out, relaxing, reclining at the table. People would have been at a table, and then there would have been a crowd of people at the party surrounding the, the main table. And it says in the scripture here that this particular party was thrown on Jesus' honor. It was for Jesus. And arguably, this story captures the greatest display of love other than Jesus himself on the cross. It shows love without limits, no restraints. It shows a humble and a generous moment, an extravagant love. And what we're going to see this morning is that this story captures extravagant worship. It helps us understand what extravagant worship is. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 12, if you, you should already be there. And we're going to look at five things that we can learn about extravagant worship. The first one is this, that extravagant worship is thankful. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Extravagant worship is thankful. Let's look at it. Verse 1 and 2. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Pause. Think about that. He raised him from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining with him at the table. If you look at Mark 14, verse 3, it says a similar thing. While they were at Bethany, reclining at the table of the home of Simon the leopard, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. You say, why would Mary do this? It was typical in that culture to wash the feet of the guests and so the idea of washing feet would have been totally understood. It would have been typical after their feet had been washed to take a drop of perfume and put it on their head or on their feet. But Mary breaks the bottle and pours all of the perfume over Jesus' body. And I'm wondering, why would she do this? And the reason is found in Scripture, that her brother, Lazarus, is alive. He had been raised from the dead. And her extravagant worship here, the root of it is in thanksgiving. And she is filled with gratitude. She's filled with love. She's filled with worship. She's filled with thanksgiving. And she is worshiping her Savior in this moment, in this story. And my question for us today is, are you grateful? <laughs> are you thankful? And I'm asking this to myself for what God has done in your life, what he's done in my life. If you're here this morning and you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, 
you can remember what your life was like before you got saved. You were, you've been saved and transformed. And what happened here is Mary is worshiping her Savior. And today, there's going to be an opportunity for you to do the same. And that worship will start with an idea of being thankful. The second thing is that extravagant worship is not only thankful, it's perceived as wasteful. Let's look at verse 3. It says, Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. How many have ever been spiced up with any nard? Anybody? I always think of lard, but uh, I don't know. I'm thinking, but it's not lard, it's nard. And nard comes from a root from India, and it would be extracted into a dense, concentrated oil. And then it would be transported, in this case, to Rome, where Jesus was. It was very expensive. And some of your versions say it was a pound. Some say it was a pint. Uh, when you study this, it was about 11 and a half ounces of pure nard. And typically they would dilute it, but in this case, it was straight up nard. And it would have cost a year's wage to purchase that much yard, that much, I almost said lard, nard, yard, not nard, yard, nard, a year's wage. 300 denarii, 300 days of work to, that's how expensive this was. I want you just to put this in your context, and it's different for every single person here. Just think about, just quickly, calculate in your mind, uh, what do you make in a day's wage? Multiply that by 300. And at the least, that's what was happening here. In 300 days of work, cracked open and put on Jesus. Now, if Mary would have poured a little, it would have filled the room with that scent. People would have noticed. But she didn't just pour a little. She poured it all on his head. It says in Mark 14, probably on his, through his beard, on his feet, John chapter 12. She drains the alabaster jar. Look at it. Verse 4 in John chapter 12. It says here, but one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, says, uh, who later betrayed him, objective, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wage. In Mark's account, again, similar idea. Verses 4 and 5, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. In Matthew's account, it says, why this waste? It started off with Judas, but even the other disciples were chiming in. They scolded her for this act of extravagant worship. And you know what's interesting? I was thinking about it in our context today. Sometimes our worship, and even this morning, our worship may not make sense to those around us. It probably makes more sense here, but outside, if people were looking in, they don't understand our worship. In society, some people like to speak about what should and shouldn't be done. Well, let me just say, we are not a philanthropic organization. 
We are not here just to do good for others. That at the heart of Christianity, it's about personal devotion to Jesus. That is so important. Without that, we'd just be a club. And Mary, in this case, gives everything she has. And the world says, that's so wasteful. I was reading a story uh, two weeks ago when I was studying for this about a great uh, Moravian missionary. This guy, he, he found out that there was a group of slaves that had never heard about the gospel. And he sold himself into slavery so he could reach these slaves. And it says that he shouted after he had been purchased and he was on his way. He said, for the glory of the Lord, as his family and his friends watched him go. And they must have been thinking, what a waste of a life. See, to the world, it may seem wasteful, our worship. But to Jesus, he says, man, what a beautiful thing has been done. Question for us this morning, when is the last time you poured out yourself in an extravagant way? Sometimes extravagant worship seems wasteful. The third thing is that extravagant worship is often undignified. Let's look at it. Verse 3 again. And Mary took this pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet. And then listen to what she does. She wiped his feet with her hair. I don't want to just read over this. This is disgusting. (laughs) This would have been shocking. You don't do that. In fact, ladies in that culture, even to just let down their hair, they could have been, their husbands could have presented them with a certificate of divorce. That's how serious it was. Women did not let down their hair. This was risky. She could have been misunderstood, and she was. Her reputation was at risk. A drop would do, right? But 11 and a half ounces? Are you serious? And then to wipe her hair? I was thinking about it. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, I put a little parfum on. And, um, and I'm not going to take the whole story to, to tell you about that. But sometimes when, when you walk in my office on Sunday mornings, uh, Pete, before we pray together, my whole office smells like parfum, doesn't it, right? And the hallway, right? right? And so I'm saying uh, that what's happened here is, is 11 and a half ounces. I mean, that's like a couple sprays, right? And then it dissipates, and hopefully I'm not overwhelming any of you this morning, right? Uh, but then she uses her hair to wipe his feet. What is going on here? Mary is not concerned about what anyone else thinks. And I just want to challenge us. For many of us, we are so civilized, we're so proper, and it becomes a real problem when we bring our worship to the Lord. We get caught up in ourselves. Students get caught up in their own preferences. They say, well, I'll worship on on Sunday nights in youth group, but on Sunday morning, eh, right? Or we get caught up in our own comfort zones, 
or the way we like it. And it should be, Jesus, it's about you, not about me. And whether that's on my knees or I'm raising my hands or I'm shouting or I'm crying or my hair is let down, whatever, Mary did the unthinkable unto the Lord and it was misunderstood. Remind me of the story in the Old Testament. You've probably read it in 2 Samuel chapter 6. King David is undignified. He is dancing before the Lord in a beautiful way. And his wife is critical. She actually despises him. It's interesting. When I was preparing this, March Madness was still going on, and I know we've got some basketball fans here. Uh, I was reading that, or I was, I was studying this story. In one of the games, uh, I think it was in the Sweet 16, uh, there was this boy that, that Logan, my son, pulls up on his Instagram that is weeping over his team not winning. And, uh, and some of you guys probably saw it. It went viral, went everywhere, right? And this boy is completely lost it and is honored in our society for that. But when it comes to our worship to the Lord, that sort of idea doesn't always make sense. Sometimes our worship should be undignified. The fourth thing, and there's just two more, and we're going to spend some time in worship, is that extravagant worship results in spiritual insight. Let's look at this together. Verse 7 says this, Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. In Mark chapter 14, verse 8, we see in that account, it says something similar. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare my body for my burial. And in Mar Matthew chapter 26, in that account, verse 12, it says, when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. There was something happening in this story that almost every other person missed until after the fact. But Mary knew what was going on. Others didn't. In a few days, Jesus' body would be beaten and tortured and crucified. But Mary sees what no one else sees. I believe she sees Calvary in that moment. And think about it. This type of pure nard poured out in this way, it would have lasted not only a few moments or a few hours, it would have lasted for days. And the only thing that Jesus could take with him to the cross, literally, is the aroma from six days earlier when he was anointed by this woman, Mary, with this pure and I believe in a similar way this morning our worship has spiritual insight and it's different for each of us what is the Lord doing in our lives I was thinking about this uh, two weeks ago the last time I was here um, Jessica and I we gave what we are doing for the building fund um, and it was the second largest gift that we've ever given at, at one time uh, to the church. And we did it gracious. We did it uh, and no one, no one knew that. 
I, we did that before we left on vacation. And I sat here this, <laughs> that Sunday, and I don't know if you noticed, Pastor Bobby, I was weeping before the Lord because I'm saying, Lord, you know, this is yours, it's, our, it's all yours. And my son is playing the drums here, and I had this picture of him watching me just weep before the Lord. And I didn't care. It was undignified, but there was some spiritual insight that was happening in my life. And I believe even this morning that as we will worship here momentarily, there will be some spiritual things happening all across this room in each of our hearts. The last thing is that this type of extravagant worship, it is applauded by God. It's applauded by God. We're not going to look in John's case here, but let's look at Mark chapter 14, verse 9. It says, truly, I tell you, this is Jesus, after all this happens, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what Mary has done will also be told in memory of her. In, Mark's, or in uh, Matthew's gospel, the same idea in Matthew chapter 26, verse 13, very similar, it says, truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her of her, of me- in memory of Mary. Jesus wants us to know about this story and to highlight Mary for the ages. Why not Lazarus? Or why not the widow's son that was raised from the dead? Or why not the water that was turned into wine or a number of other signs? Why this story about Mary? It's because I believe that personal devotion to Christ delights him. And my question to each of us is how devoted are you? What has your response been? Have you laid down your life for Jesus? If it costs you everything, that's okay. Extravagant worship is what we're talking about this morning. There is something crazy about a person or a church where nothing else matters. It's not do I have to, it's I get to worship. And with that idea, I want to bring it to a close. With this idea that we can bless the Lord. In a similar way to others have blessed me, we can bless the Lord. We can can move His heart. We can raise His spirits. We can stir His affections and especially on palm sunday morning there's not a greater time to do that we will bless him with our lives we bless him with our worship jesus is honored he's privileged uh, when he is a priority mary could have held back but she didn't and today we're going to encourage one another to not hold back and we're going to worship and I believe in an extravagant way for some of us. And I just want to speak to those that may be here that don't know the Lord um, this morning. Maybe you're a seeker. Maybe you're a guest with us, and this is your first time here. Uh, what you are about to experience is found, it, it's founded in Scripture as our guide. Uh, we are going to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, the Bible says. And I just want to invite you that if you don't know the Lord, before we spend some time in worship on this Palm Sunday, I want to give you the opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. 
you're here and you don't know the Lord. It's interesting, the same chapter, we didn't, we're not taking the time to look at it, in verses 12 through 19, it's the story of Jesus coming in, and it's Palm Sunday, the, the, um, the uh, what am I trying to think of, the, um, not transformation, but uh, the triumphal entry, thank you. It's a triumphal entry. And what's interesting is at this point in Scripture, people were turning and believing in Jesus left and right. And today might be your day to give your heart to the Lord. It says in verse 23 that the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, and that hour is still today. Through your life, you giving your heart to Jesus, you glorify the Lord. And we're going to give you that opportunity. But what I'd like to do is kind of set the stage this morning. As I was praying and asking the Lord, how do we want to close? How do we want to move into a time of worship? There's a CD or a, uh, a worship experience that has blessed me over the past year, uh, almost a year now that I've been listening. And there's a section of it that is called Sweet Praise or blessing to the Lord, giving blessings to the Lord. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to kind of just set our hearts and experience this together. And then at the end of that, the worship team's going to come and is going to lead us in worship. And I just want to challenge you this morning in these areas. When we think about this, the idea that we can bless the Lord that you can move his heart, that you can raise his spirit, that you can stir his affection. I don't know what that does inside of your mind, but for me, that encourages me. Now in the next few moments, we're going to have an opportunity to worship together, continue to do so. And I'm just going to challenge you to worship as the Lord directs you no matter what. Rooted in thankfulness. Doesn't matter if it seems wasteful or undignified. But I promise you this, there's a spiritual insight for you in your worship today. And just know that on this Palm Sunday as we worship, that our Heavenly Father is absolutely pleased. Let's worship the Lord together. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, when we talk about our worship being wasteful or being undignified, I am one of the first to be so careful. I don't want a bit of flesh, my flesh, to be seen in worship. But I do believe that at times the Lord will call us to a new experience, to something out of the ordinary, something that would stretch us, might challenge us. And as I was worshiping here this morning, response. I just feel like there may be some that are feeling a prompting to step out or if some are feeling a prompting to lift your hands and that's not normal 
or you may feel a prompting to to shout out to the Lord or to bow before Him in some way, but you've kind of held back because that's what we do in America, right? But I'm just going to take those expectations and I'm going to put those in a box and we're going to put that box aside for a moment and we're going to give freedom to every person here to worship as the Lord puts on your heart and I'm not trying to stir something up I, please no it's, it's what the Lord has put in your heart It comes from a surrendered heart. It comes from that place of thankfulness. So let's just come back to that moment for a moment and just lift up the Lord. Let's bless His name, being grateful, being thankful. In a similar way, Mary was so overwhelmed with thanksgiving that her brother had been raised from the dead. What are you thankful for? Just tell the Lord that for a moment. Thank you, Lord, for our families. Thank you, Lord, for providing. Thank you, God, for this church. Thank you, God, for the staff and the board. Lord, I thank you for my son and for my daughter. I thank you for my wife. Come on, in your own way, just join me. I thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are in control. I thank you, God, that your timing is perfect. And God, with that, I give you my all. I give you my best. And I don't hold back. I don't hold back. I don't hold back. Don't hold back. God, I thank you for this incredible story of Mary pouring out her love in an extravagant way. And God, I thank you for the way it challenges me. And I pray that it challenges each one here that we would live our lives in that way. God, that you would just help us to be consumed with who you are. God, that nothing else would matter. God, I just pray that as you are stirring our hearts this morning, that it wouldn't just end here, but God, that your spirit would go with us. And as we invite our guests for Easter, as we fill this place again next week, as we honor you, week in and week out, I pray that you would help us to move a little closer 
to you in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. In first service, someone came forward at this time and just kind of encouraged us that um, sometimes as individuals, we will try to earn our way to heaven instead of just letting God take our sin. Instead of confessing our sin, we will try to be better. We'll try to do different things to somehow create a situation where we are in right standing with God. And it was interesting that we gave opportunity at that point for those that may be struggling with sin that, uh, that they can turn it over to the Lord, that there were a few that responded. And I shared a story that uh, back in 1999, I was a children's pastor and I was leading a team of people from Dayton, Ohio to Pensacola, Florida to the Brownsville Revival. And some of you might remember that in the church history. And the very first Sunday, or the very first service that we were a part of this, there was so much going on when it came to the altar call. I was the one leading the trip, and I always have had a soft heart towards the Lord. But what was interesting is I was one of the first to respond to a salvation call. I needed to get something right inside of my life. And there was nothing holding me back. I didn't care what anyone thought at that point. I needed forgiveness. And you know, it's the forgiveness that we experience that really gives us a place to worship. Out of that forgiveness, there's freedom, there's joy. Out of that forgiveness, there's a peace that comes. And could it be that even this, right now, maybe unforgiveness is holding some people back? And I'm not saying that you're any worse than I was in 1999. But if you feel a sense that you need to repent, we want to give you that opportunity. And I'm going to ask that you just step out and come forward and just receive and just confess your sin to the Lord, whatever that might be. It could be something that no one knows about. Out on the outside, you look like you've got it together. But I'm telling you, when you step out, you're going to be kicking the devil right in the face. And maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a stronghold, uh, something that the Lord uh, just needs to just pour his grace and his anointing on. I just want to give you that opportunity. We're going to sing that song, uh, You Give Life, and, uh, and uh, it's just an incredible song about blessing the Lord. And if you need to, to respond, we want to encourage you to do so. We're not going to have an official dismissal this morning. We just want the presence of God to be real and to be here. We're not trying to manufacture anything. But uh, if you're here this morning and you are wanting to respond, come and do so. If you need to go, go in the grace of God. But this is a time for you to receive exactly what you need from the Lord. Join me at the altar and receive your forgiveness this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. 
If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.